Hey everybody, what an honor it is again for me to be able to greet you in this way, whether you're at home or on your computer, on your back porch, or wherever you might be. Um, what a great way for us to celebrate Easter, all as strange as it is. I want to remind you again, this week we're going to use our scripture, so if you don't have scripture, run find it right now and bring it to uh, your lap or your desk or your table, and uh, we're going to look at it in a few moments. So I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, thank you for your love, thank you for the high honor we have. Uh, for this moment in time. And Lord, this isn't how we had planned things, but it is in your plan. And so we trust you entirely. I pray over the next few moments that you would meet with us wherever we are. And meet with us in living rooms and offices and cars and coffee shops, wherever we might be. Just meet with us uh, and may the, may the power of this message, uh, the message and hope of Easter, may it transform lives and transform families. You have a plan and we are safely in that plan. So hide me deep in your cross, I ask in your name. Amen. Well, again, uh, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, so excited to have this moment. I doubt any of us sort of expected or would have planned to do uh, worship in this way, but we're making the best of it, and I'm so thankful to be part of a church that actually has the technology and the training in place to be able to worship in this way with excellence and, uh, and, and quality, and, and that's an awesome thing. Uh, funny thing is we had planned on starting a service or a series after Easter entitled Ruthlessly Eliminating Hurry from Our Lives. And then I realized that right now, if there's anything we're begging for, it's for hurry to return to our lives after a time of quarantine and isolation. So we are quickly rewriting all of that, and we're going to do the, the cookie jar series, which, which I'm, I'm excited about. So amidst all the adjustments and inconveniences of this time in history, all is not lost. In fact, for the first time in my 53 years of living, my horoscope was actually correct this week. And this is what my horoscope said, said that you'll be spending time at home. It doesn't really matter which one you are, you are going to be spending time at home. So it, it, really, it really does work. As, um, as cabin fever continues to run rampant in the Harding home, uh, having nothing to do but spend time with family or take a nap or eat anything that is not nailed down, kind of watch endless shows of uh, average drama on Netflix. And in fact, I've even read the ones that have subtitles now and all this for the last 45 days. So I'm actually gaining some wisdom. For example, I understand my pets more and, and this is what I mean by that. I'm kind of starting to understand why my pets try to run out of the house whenever the front door is open because that's exactly the impulse I feel these days. Um, I love all the overachievers on, on social media right now who are posting everything that you folks are accomplishing. <clears throat> You're painfully positive people in our society. And so like I refinished a dresser and then you take a picture of it or I made a mask for my cat or I planted 40 acres of corn or I braided my son's hair or I made a dress out of a straw. I just want you to know nobody likes you people. Nobody, nobody likes you people right now. So for all you overachievers, let me tell you how the rest of the world is actually living right now. It would be something like this. Quarantine is a great time to do that thing you've always wanted to get done. Write the script, organize the closet, learn a new recipe. Me, fifth day on the couch. I wonder what cat food tastes like. That's kind of how the rest of us are living right now, okay? By the way, I have finished Netflix. Not a show, not a documentary, but the entire library of Netflix. I finished the whole thing. So today, we're finishing up the domino effect series. And if you're not familiar with the term, domino effect refers to how one event leads to a whole lot of other events in our lives. And sometimes these are good events, 
and sometimes they're not so, so good events. And we're experiencing that right now with the COVID-19 virus and how it's impacting our world. One event is actually impacting a whole lot of other events. And the question we've been asking in the midst of this pandemic is this one. Will what is happening today lead me to where I actually want to be tomorrow? And that's a pretty important question, not just for this moment of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's, it's even deeper than that. Questions like, how will the, the way I treat people, will that lead me to where I want to be tomorrow? Will how I'm taking care of my body lead me to where I want to be tomorrow? Will how I forgive people who've hurt me lead me to where I want to be tomorrow in my capacity to love? Will how I see the world, how I see myself, lead me to where I want to be tomorrow? Will how I treat my children today lead me to how I want to be treated by them tomorrow? Will how I treat my spouse today, how I treat my closest friends, lead me to where I want to be tomorrow? Have you noticed that sometimes old people get grumpier? I mean, as they age, they actually become angrier or more bitter or grumpier. Lisa and I actually look around and have such appreciation for old people who are joyful and even playful at that stage of their life. Of course, we all notice people who are, who are the opposite. There are some that are joyful, but then there are some that are the opposite of that. And the real awkward moment is some of you actually may be sitting in the room with them right now. And so this is really a wonderful time. People who are grumpy and critical about everything, sometimes that happens the older we get. They, they get mad at the government, so they don't like them. They get mad at the new music, so we don't like that. And we don't like how expensive everything is. And if you're old, I certainly don't mean to offend you. However, if this does offend you, you're actually the person I'm talking about right now. That, that you're the one uh, that's kind of getting grumpier. So for illustrations purposes, I got to tell you, Lisa and I have these conversations in our home of who do we want to be, and is this going to lead us to where we want to be as we get older? And we want to be, we want to be good old people. We want to be, want to be kind of playful, mischievous kind of old people. I want to embarrass my children, and I want to embarrass my grandchildren as I get older. And so the question is, well, what is happening today actually lead me to where I want to be tomorrow? So as we've been watching our world respond to this unexpected pandemic, we see all this finger-pointing and anger and hoarding and fear and rebellious acts of independence and selfish, over-the-top acts of generosity. And all of this is because this is an unprecedented time. Here's what that word means. Unprecedented means it's never done or known before. And that's exactly the time we find ourselves in right now. We're all responding to an unprecedented time. We've been using this word as the core of the domino series and asking all kinds of questions uh, for, to our culture in, in, in light of this crisis. But we haven't been asking these questions of each other together as a church. We've actually been asking these questions of God. What would God say? Or how would God respond to what we're going through in these unprecedented times? So let me show you some of the questions that we've asked. 
first question we asked was, does God actually provide security in unprecedented times? And what we found out was in these moments, we really can't trust what we feel, but we can trust who we know in, in God. And we also discovered that the danger today is actually temporary, but the relationship we have with God, well, that, that's eternal. Another question we ask is, does God provide joy in unprecedented times? Because if the joy-producing acts of God are actually characteristic of our past and how we've related to God, then I think we can safely believe that the joy-producing acts of God will be characteristic in our future. Does God provide comfort in unprecedented times? And the answer is yes. The surprise to that was how God provides comfort. Because the way God provides provided comfort in our study was acts of obedience in our history and the encouragement of people being obedient in our future. Today I want to ask one more question in this series, and it's this one. Does God provide hope in unprecedented times? Well, the answer to that question should be painfully obvious, at least kind of what you would expect me to say. But once again, the scriptures aren't just going to answer that question. They're also going to provide some instruction for hope in unprecedented times. We've been using these songs of ascent throughout this entire series, and those are the psalms in your scripture 120 through 134. The psalms are basically these historic records and future hopes put to music. And so worshipers would sing these as they worshiped God, as they climbed the hill to worship in Jerusalem at the temple. They would sing these songs. Today I want to look at Psalm 130 to help answer our question. Psalm 130 says this, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Now that sounds a little too Shakespeare for the way God and I usually talk. And so what I thought I would do is bring you the message paraphrase because this one I can truly relate to. Here's how Eugene Peterson writes this. Help God, the bottom has fallen out of my life. Now that phrasing, that phrasing I understand. That I I get. I love how honest the scripture is. There's nothing fake here. Just raw, unadulterated acknowledgement Lord, we're in a pile of hurt here. We are suffering. We're in pain. And I think we can all probably relate to to that prayer in these days. Yes, of course, the virus and all that we're talking about there and the staggering statistics that invade our home every night as we watch the news, those are all alarming things. But this isn't the first time. Nor it's going to be the, it will be the last where the bottom feels like it fell out of my life. (laughs) And that's probably true for you too. We all have a story to tell related to what the psalmist is writing here. Anybody anybody else been fighting depression or worry as you find yourself in isolation these days? Anybody self-medicating in destructive ways? And as a result, you're sort of feeling a little uncomfortable right now? Anybody notice that if you're actually in the process of grieving... That times of crisis cause you to miss those people even more and deal with the frustration that you can't pick up the phone and call? Anybody heard a doctor say words that made you feel like the bottom fell out of your life within the past year? 
Anybody else experiencing some financial strain due to loss of wages? That can certainly make us feel like the bottom fell out of a life. How about when a relationship ends that you thought would last forever and you try to help family deal with that? Does that feel like the bottom fell out of a life? Or maybe it's just this culmination of things, a dull ache like a toothache that won't go away, but it's in your soul. You've been living fast and furious, making your own decisions and doing what you want to do. If it feels good, I do it. But in this moment, there is this sense of emptiness and, and loss, maybe even regret. And shame and regret often feel like the bottom has fallen out of a life. To be human is to know what it feels like to have the bottom fall out of life, to know trouble. We live in a time where the goal of our lives, at least up to this point, has been to live perpetually healthy and constantly happy. And then a virus strikes. And the funny thing is, is once our goal was interrupted, once that changed, it's almost like we were all surprised or offended. Henry Nouwen writes this. He said, many people suffer because of the false supposition on which they have based their lives. And that supposition is that there should be no fear or loneliness, no confusion or doubt. It's just not true. And the psalmist does exactly what we do in bottom-dropping times. The psalmist cries out, verse 2, O Lord, hear my voice. The bottom's fallen out of my life. I'm scared to death. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Pay attention, Lord. Things are, the wheels have fallen off. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Now isn't that an interesting phrase? I mean, if I'm talking to God about the bottom falling out of my life, why is the psalmist speaking about forgiveness? He's suffering. The wheels have fallen off his life for some reason. And what is he concerned about? Apparently, his relationship to God. Psalm 130 immerses itself in God. L look at the chewy chocolate center of this song in verse 5. And this one I'd like for us to read together. So this is that great awkward moment where you can read it out loud wherever you are with your family with full voice. So out loud, nice and awkward. Verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. The name of God is actually used eight different times in these eight little verses, speaking about the bottom falling out of a life. Eight different times God is used. He's described as someone who forgives sin. God is someone who comes 
to those who wait and hope for him. He's characterized by this steadfast love. He offers an abundance of redemption. God is a difference maker in this psalm. He responds positively to people, and he's not stingy. Look at verse 7 and kind of summarize some of this. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Now, Apparently, a stunning truth is being revealed to those of us who know what it's like to have the bottom fall out of a life. So lean in a minute, sit on the edge of your couch, and pay attention to what Scripture is getting ready to teach us, because apparently, God is vital to us, especially when the bottom falls out of a life. And the psalmist is offering these two hope-filled truths to why God matters and how God matters when the bottom falls out of things. Does God provide hope in unprecedented times? Well, the psalmist is teaching us yes, because God is personal and he desires intimacy with us. Around here we say we desire for everybody to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And God is a redeemer. And what that means is God doesn't just desire to be in a personal relationship with us. But God desires to help us. Isn't that pretty encouraging to people who know what it is to have the bottom fall out of life? Doesn't that kind of offer some hope? But, but the psalmist doesn't just state the obvious. Does God provide hope? Yes. But he tells us what to do in the meantime. Verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Here's a question I have. What were the people supposed to be watching for? I mean, if the bottom falls out of your life and you run to the window, what are you watching for? I don't know much about being a watchman. I don't think I'd be very good at it because I'd lose focus. But as I understand it, a watchman only has one job. Anybody want to guess what it is? I'd say to watch. I mean, that's probably it, to watch. Watchmen wait and watch. The watchman isn't in charge of anything. They just wait and watch. The watchman doesn't control anything that happens inside or outside the city, inside or outside the life. They just Wait and watch. The watchman doesn't guarantee safety or guarantee comfort, or, and they're not in charge of that part of the corporation. They just wait and watch. And that's what the writer says to do, just wait and watch. And my response to that is, what a complete waste of time. 
I mean, where's all the instruction to fret and worry and try to control my own destiny? Where's the instruction to build comfort protection into my life so this never happens again? Where's the instruction to hoard all the toilet paper so that particular need will be cared for? What a complete waste of time. Unless, unless the watchman is waiting and watching for hope and for joy, for comfort, and for security. You see, what the psalmist is teaching us is waiting and watching actually equals hope. Waiting and watching equals hope. Our waiting and watching, that is hoping. Sitting on the front porch and watching the lane is hoping. And that hope is based on the deep conviction that God is actively involved in his creation and vigorously at work in redemption. Hope is coming. Joy is coming. Comfort is coming. Security is coming. And now we come to this moment of Easter. Nobody planned it this way. Three women went to care for the body because that was the Jewish custom. All the tragedy and drama of the prior day's events was settled. So now it's time to deal with some of the more mechanical things that are required. And so they go to prepare and care for the body of Jesus. Now, uh, I need your help for this next part. I'm going to read a scripture, and you're just going to read what's on the screen. It's going to be like a ping pong match, but it's going to be air ping pong because I'm not sure whether you're actually going to do what I'm asking you to do. But I'm going to trust you to do what I'm asking you to do. So I'll give you a cue. So just stay with me. And, and for you overachievers, just relax. I'll point so you'll know when to go. Okay, just relax. But let me read you the verses that were taking place that, that Easter morning. Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb, waiting and watching equals hope. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Waiting and watching equals hope. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, and in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Waiting and watching equals hope. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Waiting and watching equals 
hope. Does God provide hope in unprecedented times? Apparently he does. I'm not sure what has made you feel like the bottom fell out of your life. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe all the pandemic did was heightened a feeling that was already there. Whatever or whoever made you feel that way. As I read the scripture, cannot separate you from the love of God. For forgiveness is the habit of God, according to our psalm. The bottom has a bottom, but the heights of hope, they're boundless. Because God is working out our salvation and developing our faith while we wait and watch. Fixing our eyes on the ways of grace and the path of redemption. That's happening right now. And as we gather in this moment, in this strange format, everybody knows, all of us know what it feels like to have the bottom fall out. And all of us know what it feels like to have the bottom fall out in a spiritual sense as well. Everybody knows that. And some of you feel that intensely right now. Maybe you feel that way because you do things you don't want to do. And I've, I've been there too. I, I understand that. Maybe you have a pile of shame and regret and guilt and this isolation has just made you more aware of that. I understand that too. But even as you sit where you are, you're thinking of the people you're hurting because of your decisions or selfish activity or mistakes you've made in the past. Well, what Easter means is hope. God desires personal, personal intimacy with you. That's right, you. You say, Tom, I'm jacked up. Welcome to normal. But God desires personal intimacy with all of us. He made us. He's our loving Heavenly Father. And He desires to help us because God is a Redeemer. And His desire is to forgive us and help us through that personal relationship. You say, Tom, that is simply unbelievable. And, and, and now you get it. You're exactly right. It is. And that's hope. That's the miracle of Easter. We wait and we watch for Jesus, not just in the distant future, but even in this moment where the bottom's fallen out. Jesus is the hope giver. Jesus regards me as his brother and you as his brother or sister. And his father can now be our father. That is the hope available to all of us. And it's available to you. So I want to give you 
an invitation. Easter Sunday means Jesus is alive. He forgives sin. Easter Sunday means he can give Tom a brand new heart. He can give you a brand new heart. Jesus gives us this reason to live and to watch and wait, to hope with expectation. As we sit on the edge of our seat or on the corner of the porch, watching and waiting with expectation. So the question I would ask you simply is, is Jesus doing that for you? Is he, in the honesty of this broken moment, doing that for you? Has he done that for you? Have you responded in a very personal way to Jesus' very personal invitation? Have you decided that you'll commit the rest of your life to this man? Because that is one decision that will play out for the rest of your life. That's the ultimate domino effect. You may be now a long way from God. And maybe you've been a long way from God for a long, long time. If you're like me, and I suspect you are, we have all done things we're not very proud of. We've hurt a bunch of people and we've made a bunch of mistakes. But in Jesus, you can actually have hope even in this moment. So this would be a wonderful time to pray right now. Maybe you want to join me with what's on the screen. These are just words to express what's in a heart. And if you feel led, pray them. You don't have to pray them out loud if you don't want to. Or maybe you need to. It's between you and God. God, I want to confess my sin to you. I know what it is to have the bottom fall out of my life. I want to receive forgiveness, not from trying to be a really good person or my own efforts, but because you're a redeemer who desires to help me. And I desire, Jesus, for you to be my personal Lord, Savior, and friend. Jesus, be my guide and my leader be my hope. I want to have a new reason to live. I want to have a new identity and a hope to live for. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hope of Easter. I thank you for this awesome moment that we have connected by your spirit all across neighborhoods and counties and literally around the world. And Lord, I pray for my friends who made the decision to pray that prayer along with me. I pray this would be the beginning of a hope-filled life. This would be a decision that would have tremendous domino effect in personal lives, in families, in marriages, relationships with parents, relationships with people who've hurt us. Let your mercy and grace flow and I pray, Father, you would now fill the homes listening to the sound of my voice with your grace and mercy. 
Fill the homes listening to the sound of my voice with hope, hope that springs eternal, that Jesus rose from the dead. He was victorious over sin and death, and he desires a personal relationship with me. And that is a good thing. In your name, amen.